Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. You could have sworn before that there were four storage rooms down here. Seems like there's five doors down here now. Chip, you know, famously, uh, always as he walks into any corridor, he always makes note of how many doors he sees. This this doesn't look like Yamani, does it? It's not like a self-portrait or anything. Kind of looks like the Incredible Hulk. Did you ever read those comic books? Uh, big green guy gets angry. <laughs> That's what he looks like to me. It's kind of late, you know. I don't I don't usually just talk to people who just come to my door randomly. Isn't it like 8:30 though? I mean, I've I've told the cops over and over again. No, nobody seems to listen to me. Abigail left with some no-account guy who sells encyclopedias and lives up on the sixth floor. She moved on. She figured it out. She went upstairs with the others. He's just gonna kick the door down. He's in the FBI. He can do that because now he's mad at his buddy. He wants to know what's what's going on. So he starts kicking the door. Que pasa, Manny? What's going on, buddy? Honestly, Mr. Chip, like, what is the meaning of this? Is this really necessary? The United States government has imbued in me the power to place you under arrest, which I am doing right now to, again, to restate for suspicion of your involvement in the disappearance of Abigail Wright. <laughs> Jesus, Chip, you, you couldn't have done a light of touch. But what I can tell you for sure is that I have been on the roof of that building and there are only three floors at the McAllister building. New York City, April 25th, 1991. As Chip Lynch walked into Walter B. Cook Funeral Home, he had to do a double take as he read the name on the sign at the entrance, the one that listed whose life was being celebrated. Russell DeMarco. God damn it, why'd it have to be Osric? Chip's fiancée, Anne, was holding onto Chip's arm, and Chip didn't shrug her off. He normally wouldn't want any affection shown around his colleagues, but today wasn't normal, and these weren't his standard colleagues anyway. Chip made his way into the room where the visitation was happening, and he and Anne got in line to speak with the widow. Chip kept repeating the name Russell over and over again in his head. Chip knew the name, of course. That's how he'd been able to find the time for the wake. But Delta Green agents weren't supposed to know each other's real names, and Chip tried to keep things as by the book as possible. So Osric had been the name he had used for Russell, and he was still having trouble getting used to the switch. By the time he reached Osric's family, Chip was prepared and shared his condolences. When they asked him how he'd known Russell, Chip kept things vague. They worked together. He was a good man, Russell was. He'll certainly be missed. He couldn't tell them the truth, not the real truth at least. Not that Chip had been there when he died, and certainly not what had actually happened to him. Apparently they told the family it had been a car accident. Anything to make sure the casket stayed closed. After saying their final words of comfort to the family, Chip patted Anne on the shoulder. Give me a second, would you? I'd like to go up there alone. Anne nodded, and Chip made his way over to Osric's casket. He knelt down and folded his hands. That's what you were supposed to do, after all. But as Chip looked down at the closed casket, he couldn't get Osric's face out of his mind. And what was worse, it wasn't the smiling face he had seen so many times over the years. It was Osric's dying face, the last face that Chip had seen, a face that was torn to shreds and barely recognizable. Chip blinked a few times, trying to erase the memory, at least for now, and something shifted. When Chip opened his eyes again, he wasn't looking down at the casket. He was looking up at himself. He even made eye contact with himself, and for one second, two, three, four, he couldn't look away. Finally, he closed his eyes tightly and reopened them, and he was back, kneeling and looking down at the casket. Chip stood up quickly and fought off a shiver of fear. He looked around for Anne, but a man stepped in front of him, blocking his view. Christ, Chip thought. Dr. Camp is here? 
I must not be the only one with a guilty conscience. But it didn't take long for Chip to realize why the man was really here, and he didn't think guilt had anything to do with it. Lynch, I heard you're thinking of calling it, of stepping away. How did he know that? Chip knew he hadn't confided in anyone, and he certainly hadn't done so with one of the most powerful men in the organization he was planning to leave. You can't do that, son. We need you. He's back. Have any of you ever had a similar experience to what Veronica experienced in this, uh, this, the last episode where she, like, was, like, where a door appeared? I mean, and I, you know, it, whether you think that's something that can actually happen in real life or not, have you ever had an experience where, like, something you were really confident of ended up being wrong and it, like, rattled you or, like, what you believed to be true about the world? I think I have, like, miniature, not, like, I wouldn't say, like, rattle me to my core about what I believe in the world, but, like, um, <laughs> miniature moments like that, like, I actually had one the other day where it was just, I was, um, I was at my, I was at my boyfriend's mom's house, and she's out of town, and so we're, like, babysitting the dog, and I had, the dog, like, kind of has a habit of, like, getting into all the rooms, and, like, sometimes she pees, like, if you don't keep the doors closed, so, like, I made sure all the doors were closed, and I remember I walked downstairs, and I came upstairs, and the one door was, like, wide open, like, wide open, like, someone had, like, pushed it open, and I did have one of those moments where I was, like, I just, like, you know how, like, your heart just drops, and you're, like, something terrible has happened? I don't know, <laughs> and I just truly was, like, I'm not alone in here, and then I realized it was probably just, like, an old door, like, on a loose, like, hinge kind of thing, but it really freaked me out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've had specific ones that I remember, but there's definitely plenty of times where I can convince myself. You're like, it just, it would make more sense at this point for, like, something crazy to have happened and, like, time has bent or something or, like, something just, like, really isn't where you left it and you're like, something weird has happened. Um, or, like, it's just a simpler explanation that there's magic or something then. But they're not real. I don't know. Yeah. I think as a kid, I was, like, inclined to think that way, too, of, like, weird shit happens that you can't explain. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you think about, if you think about just about every theory of, like, the existence, there's, like, all these, like, well, you know, and then there's string theory and all these things on top of things and things on top of things. Well, you know what else would happen? Things would probably go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be, like, <laughs> yeah, mistakes. Yeah. Of course there'd be mistakes. And if it were a simulation, uh, there'd be glitches all the time. I've Like, think about it. Constantly, so yeah, that stuff. Like I swear, my I've li I've lived in the house I'm in for a long time. I've seen it for a long time, uh, and I swear my shutters were burgundy. And the other day I was walking across the street uh, from my grandmother's house, uh, and I looked at the the shutters, and they were they were dark blue. And I was I was like, well, there you go. I guess I'm in the wrong one again. Like I I don't even. And I think it's 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 like. It's like mild, like, okay, well, I guess. And the other night, I was, I, it was like four o'clock in the morning, and I got up to get a drink of water. I went over to the, the fridge, and 
there was like a blinding flash of white light. Like the mo- like it was just like filled the house and then the loudest thunder shook the whole house. It was crazy. It must have been right above me. And I was like, man, I think I that might I might have gone into another dimension. Like I'm gonna go to bed, but I don't think I'm gonna wake up in the world I think I'm gonna wake up in. And I was so like I went to bed so like, well, I think that happened. That I went and sat on the couch and was like, all right, let me think of of just things and see if anything seems out of place. And the only thing I came up with was I was sitting there for like 30 seconds and I was like, did Don Mattingly die a couple years ago? And I Googled on my phone that, no, he's the current manager of the Miami Marlins. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that that's what that's what happened. He's the manager of the Marlins. And I was like, well, I guess it didn't happen. I give up. And I moved on. It was fine. But I was briefly worried that I had, like, kind of jumped realities or something. It was it was it was tense. That was going to be your splice event? Like, that was the nexus of Don Yeah, Mattingly? it was just like, a, a, <laughs> that was like the sound of thunder. No, me and my friend <laughs> yeah, actually yeah. one time literally traced. Uh, we talked about, like, how, well, you know, all the weird coincidences in your life, like Sarah was saying. Like, you, it's so easy to just attribute them to, you know, yeah, it's, say, oh, it's just chaos. Nah, it's fun to say it's magic or something. So me and my friend one time were talking about, like, all the weird coincidences in our lives. And we boiled it down to one time. Where um, back in college, freshman year of college, for one reason or another, that's the year the Yankees blew the 3-0 lead to Boston, 2004. So I'm very old. I had made a bet with someone that it was going to end, and it was going to end specifically with a player on the Yankees hitting a walk-off home run, Tony Clark. In game five, (laughs) I think. Very specifically. Yeah, and watch how specific it gets. In game five... The last one the Yankees had a chance to win, really, I think it's game five. Tony Clark hits, it's like this shy of a home run. People at home can't see my fingers, but it's like an inch short of a home run. It's a double. They lose. They lose the whole series. So it's my thought that where (laughs) I'm actually, the universe I belong in is the one where Tony Clark hits the home run. I'm probably rich and famous. I'm probably very (laughs) successful. And everyone says, that's the guy. That's the guy who knew. He called Tony Clark hitting that home run. And here I am in this world inches away. And that is so, yeah. Robbed of my destiny of being a prophet. It's really, truly sad. It's depressing. In in that world, uh, the shutters on your house are burgundy. Yeah, it always happens. There's no question. And it was the moment of that lightning strike that changed things for you. And actually in that universe, my, my shutters are solid gold. Because I'm so successful. I live in the same house in the same neighborhood, but I've made it entirely of gold. <laughs> it's it it would be too dark for me, I think, to spiral down the the line of like, what if all of these tiny little things that happened didn't happen? What where would my life be? Because I think I would just I think I would just lose myself in that. Yeah. Just to start with no clear grasp of it and there's nothing to lose. Just go down the <laughs> rabbit hole. Like that's how I do it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's uh, let's let's pick back up into this game. So our agents are both investigating the disappearance of a, a, a young art uh, a young artist woman named Abigail Wright, and the the um, strange scene in her apartment where she where there are items both uh, mundane and horrifying glued and epoxied to the walls of her apartment. They're investigating for the FBI to kind of wrap up the case. They're also investigating for Delta Green to see whether there is some sort of unnatural uh, occurrence that is related to the disappearance. And they 
started to investigate one of Abigail Wright's neighbors, um, a young man named Thomas Manuel, who had a microphone running from inside his apartment connected to a cassette recorder to the door of Abigail Wright's apartment. Chip Lynch uh, was the first one to interview him and got a particular story from Thomas Manuel. And then Veronica Doyle also interviewed Thomas Manuel and got a very different story. Things have escalated now to the point of uh, Thomas being uh, handcuffed uh, in in Thomas's apartment. And uh, Dahlia uh, Ivanova has also arrived on the scene. And the three of them are discussing things with Thomas. We left off with Chip calling Detective Giardanda, who is the the lead detective from the NYPD on this case, who made two things very clear, uh, which contradict what Thomas has has told the group. The first is that Thomas didn't tell the investigators from the NYPD any of the things that he is telling this group of agents about uh, how Abigail Wright was in a relationship with an encyclopedia salesman who lives on the sixth floor of this building, and she went up there to live with him, and that there are even six floors to this building because as Detective Giordanda made very clear, and which you have seen evidence of as well, there are only three floors to the McAllister building. And so that is where we are going to pick things back up. Chip, is there anything else that you want to ask of the detective before returning back into the apartment? Uh, Yeah, I I think I'll just ask him kind of generally like... uh... You know, Detective, uh, in my time with the, with the Bureau, I've seen some strange things. Uh, you know, strange cases uh, go places that you just can't understand. I've, I've learned the difference between a dead end and a, a loose end, you know, that's what I'm saying. And this one is starting to seem to me like less of a dead end and more of a loose end. Am I? Did you find this to be particularly strange or, it, in your eye, was it more or less mundane? I I would say, Agent Lynch, that outside of the state of Abigail Wright's apartment, I didn't find much that seemed strange in my investigations. Everything seemed relatively normal. I expected there to be more strangeness than there was based on the state of that apartment. I've never seen anything like that before. But everyone seemed very normal. Everyone I talked to at the apartment seemed very normal. Everything in Abigail Wright's life seemed very normal outside of this one specific thing, that being the state of her apartment. Now, the things you're telling me, if I had heard any of those, I agree with you. Those sound more like loose ends than dead ends to me. But isn't it most likely that this this young man, something has overtaken him and that he's out of his mind? Mm, son, I, I sure wish it was. I wish I could agree, but like I said... Some strange things with the Bureau. But I do appreciate uh, uh, the information, and I appreciate the the time. And, and I will ask, uh, if at any time we need uh, some of your men down here, uh, I could give you a, a call directly, and we can see to that happening uh, without delay. I just, just in case things over here get dicey at all. Yes, a- absolutely. Let me know, and I'd be happy to, to send a few a, a patrol down. Thank you, sir. I, I'll, I hope to next time we speak, we'll be under more pleasant terms. Me as well. And you guys, I assume, do we have all of the notes of, like, what the police had done to this point? Yeah, I know we, we got have the, the file. case file, yeah. But that's all there was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, what, I, what I provided you is a summary of that, but that's those are the oh, highlights. Okay. There's nothing, yeah. Okay. So I think after hanging up, what Chip would think would to do without saying anything to anybody would be to just go in and to ask uh, Thomas 
to take them to the fourth, the smoking lounge. He says he's been there a few times. He doesn't want to go to the sixth floor where the uh, the guy lives. That's fine. But take us to the smoking lounge. Let's see it. So Chip comes in and asks and, and says that, um, Veronica, Dahlia, do you go along with that? Does that seem like what you want to do? I give them both a look like I heard some weird stuff yeah. on the phone. Like the policeman just said something like, we should probably look at this. I'm just wondering if we should go without him. Well, he's going to know how to get there. Yeah, yeah, we could bring him. I think we should take him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, He looks at you, Chip, and says, um, well, will you, will you at least take these cuffs off? I I don't, I don't really want to, I don't really want to go in there cuffed like this. As soon as we get there before we walk in the door, look, I got the key in my hand already. We'll get up there, let you out. Okay. So uh, he stands up and leads you out of his apartment door and to the set of stairs that is kind of. The stairs in this building are in the middle of the building, um, and there's apartments on either side. I would let him get ahead of me, and then at that point turn to the two of them and just be like, the detective told me there are as many floors as we both, as we all thought, three. No four, no five, no six. So I have no idea where we're going. Uh, Thomas seems to be walking, um, you know, purposefully. Uh, he leads you up the stairs to the second floor of the building, which um, I, I think that I mentioned earlier on. The the floors in this building are kind of in the European style, so they're ground floor, first floor, second floor. But it seems like, you know, Thomas is referring to things the way that we would expect. Um, mm-hmm. So so you get up to the second floor, you go up to the third floor, which is labeled the second floor. And then he starts walking you up another set of stairs, which... You know, based on everything you know about this building, you would expect is leading to roof access. Where the detective said he had been, right? He'd gone up to the roof. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um, and he stops outside the door that you would expect would be roof access. Though it doesn't say roof access on it. It doesn't have any label on it at all. And he says, okay, uh, this is this is the entrance. Will you, um, will you let me out of the cuffs now? Mm, well, I am a man of my word. I trust you... Uh... Won't do anything stupid if I do. I'm just going to open up this door and let you into where you asked me to take you. All right, then. So I, I uncuff him very gingerly, very with close eye on him. All right, so you, you unlock the handcuffs, and he um, kind of shakes his his arms free a little bit. You know, they've been behind his back for a while. And then he reaches for the door and opens it up. And you all see through the door... Not a roof, but a large inviting area that resembles like a turn of the century, turn of the 20th century men's club. The walls are covered in velvet wallpaper. There are overstuffed armchairs of burgundy leather that dot the floor. One wall is covered in floor to ceiling bookcases with a rolling stepladder attached to a rail that runs at the midpoint of the shelves. There's a looks like a wet bar in one corner that has like ice and and assorted uh, liquor bottles on it. And there's a man standing in the room. He is wearing, he's over. He's an overweight man in a seersucker suit and he has a cigar in his mouth. It's clear that he's wearing a wig. Uh, it's like a comical lump of red hair that sits on top of his head with all the grace of a dead animal. It's just like this very bad toupee. And he, uh, he sees Thomas uh, open up the door and step in and he says, hey, Tommy, see you brought some friends with you. Who you brought with you? And Thomas says, oh, Hi, Mark. Uh, yeah, these are these are some uh, some some people that wanted to see the smoking lounge. What do the three of you do? Yeah, I think we'd start lying here, right? Probably like <laughs> just to strategize. Like this might be where we start like not being 
totally forthright? I think I might use my name, though, and just be like, oh, I'm Dahlia, I'm an artist. I've heard about this space, and I wanted to see it. As, like, a quick, here for a normal reason. Yeah. He says, oh, Dahlia, I I like that name. Uh, It's close to Dahl. Can I call you Dahl? I suppose. Got a lot of artists in this building. Uh, What kind of art do you do? More of a performance artist myself. Oh, performance art. I don't know. I don't know much about that. I, uh, I've had a lot of professions in my day, but never any performance art. Come on in. Come on in. Uh, grab, a, grab a drink. This, uh, this bar is always well stocked. And I uh, introduce myself. Uh, hello, sir. Name's Ron October. I'm in personal security. I'm here. You know, the artists like to have their safety when they're out and about, so keep your distance. I gotta tell you, Ace, that sounds like a fake name to me. Well, I'm in the, I'm in the work of personal security. You think I'd give you my real name? Yeah, I, I gotcha, I gotcha. And what about Touché. you? And he looks over at, uh, at at Veronica. I mean, I think that maybe Veronica, more than anybody else, is taken aback by the fact that this definitely should be the roof, but instead is a huge room. Um, and, like, kind of loitering off of the idea that she, I don't know, that we heard from Chip that there's, like, there's only three floors and all that kind of stuff. Um I think she's like a little stunned, and so when he like turns to talk to her, she goes, um, she doesn't even think of lying. She just goes, uh, uh, Ver- Veronica Doyle. Uh, we're here uh, looking for a friend. What kind of friend are you looking for? Uh, we got we got lots of friends up here. Ew. I could be your friend. Ew. <laughs> oh, no, thank you, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, I think she wrinkles her nose at that a little bit. It's a little. <laughs> um, uh, she goes, uh, we're, uh, uh, well, I'm looking for a, for a girl named uh, Abigail. H- has she been here? You might know her as Laura. Oh, Gail? Yeah, I, I know Gail. She's a, she's a sweet kid. Is, is she here? Can we talk to her? Uh, she, lives, uh, she lives up on six, I think, with that, uh, that creep of a salesman. Tommy, you, you, know about, you know about him, right? And Thomas is like, yeah, he's bad news. It's like, yeah, he's bad news for sure. Encyclopedia salesman, correct? Yeah, I think that's what he sells. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Now, you've given us such a, a, a warm welcome here. I mean, to show the bar. Now we know who's up on the sixth floor. But what's going on on the fifth floor? I haven't heard anything about that. Is that where the, is that where the party is? Oh, uh, I mean, there's people that live up there. Uh, you know, it's same as same as any of the other floors. There's just there's apartments there, just like there are on this floor. Uh, who uh, who owns uh, these floors? I know sometimes with these the multi-floor buildings, you can get the. Uh, you know, I don't pretend to understand real estate. I'm just a body man. Uh, so who, you know, do you, would you know who the ownership of these floors uh, happens to belong to? You sure ask a lot of questions, mister. Are you, uh, you a copper or something? Personal security. Oh, right. That's what you said, uh, Mr. October. That is your real name. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know who owns this place. Uh, you know, you might want to take that up with management. I don't know. That's that's not me. I just I just live here. Oh, you're just the mayor of the third floor, are you? Standing and holding court. <laughs> hell of a guy, hell of a guy. And I, I pinch his fat cheek. Oh, my God. <laughs> he kind of, like, he kind of like smacks your hand away. It's like, yeah, yeah. I'm fine. I'm, yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> I might ask him what he does. Did he already say that? Uh, no, he says, well, I, uh, I've had quite a few careers in my day. Uh, you know, now I mostly just hang out here in the smoking lounge. But, you know, I've... I've been an alligator wrangler, a carnival roadie, a, a dance-a-thon baker. I, I've, I've done it all. I've done it all. And how long have you been here in this building or in New York? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's been a while. Seems seems like it's been a, been a few years, maybe more than that. I'm not sure. New York can have that effect. Not a lot of alligators to wrestle. What? I've uh, had quite a life. Uh, 
If you uh, get a drink, sit down. I can tell you all about it. It's uh, quite, I got a lot of stories. Sure you do. I think, Dahlia, I think is going to be like, all right, <laughs> like get a drink. Yeah, so you, if you go over to the wet bar, there's ice and glasses and a lot of like unlabeled liquors and liqueurs and bitters and olives and lemons and limes. It's like a pretty well-stocked wet bar. Mark also says, uh, and if through that door over there, if you want to grab a cigar, there's a there's a humidor in there too. Are there other people in this place? Are there like, uh, that we can see? Is it just this? This, this weird man. Guy hanging out? <laughs> it, it seems to just down. be him. <laughs> it seems to just be yeah. him right now. <laughs> I, I don't, I can't remember. What was his, I, I don't want to just say the chubby guy, but like what's his, um. <laughs> uh, Mark Rourke is what he introduced himself Mark. as. Mark. Oh, Rourke. where did I get Tommy from? How did I think his name he was called, He called Thomas. Yeah, he called Thomas <laughs> Tommy. Oh. Okay. Wait, so like Mark is his name? Mark Rourke. Mark. So Mark ah. Rourke is alone in, in this uh, smoking bar. lounge place. Yes, yes. This overlook hotel situation. Yeah. Okay. Um. I feel like um yeah. I feel like that in this situation I would kind of vibe that like I'm not getting anything out of this guy. I don't like him. I don't want to talk to him. He's weird. And I trust I, I would assume and you can tell me if this is incorrect, I would assume that I trust both of them as since I keep bringing them in to like Okay, she's Dahlia's gonna talk to this guy and get some stories, and if I if something of import comes out of it, like she's gonna get it. Like I don't need to be here and and observe this conversation. I could poke around. Maybe I'll go in the humidor. Just kind of start looking. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I would I would think that that sounds right to me. Like I'm I'm here. I'm happy to schmooze the artist, and if possible, if um Thomas can stay too, I'd like to just talk to them more about like their art and Abigail's art and try to get more info about Abigail that way. Sure, yeah. And what do you think you're going to do, Veronica? Um, I think I'll probably stick with Dahlia. Um, you know, let her do most of the talking, but be kind of, yeah, just keeping an eye on things. The legal angle. <laughs> Sounds good. So yeah, you, you, um, you know, you continue your conversation with Mark and Thomas and the two of you. It doesn't seem like they have a lot of things to say outside of what you've already heard. You know, they Mark doesn't seem to be a big art guy. Um, and so, you know, he kind of, I guess, mm -hmm. maybe a little similar to Chip, kind of brushes off a lot of the, like, the fancy... Sh he, he, you talk about your, your, your paintings and your fancy, sm fancy schmancy artwork. Like, I don't know, it doesn't seem that important to me. I'm just, I'm just here for a good time, you know? But, you know, Tom and Thomas will, you know, can kind of continue to say that he's in a bit of a rut, but you don't get a lot more out of them kind of going down the path of talking about their artwork. Interesting. Um, can I ask uh, how to get to the sixth floor from here? How do you get to the sixth floor? How did you get to this floor? You, you know, go out this door, walk up the stairs, take the elevator if you really want to. It's only two floors, though. Well, is there an elevator in this building? Are there windows in this room? There are no windows in this room. There was no elevator on the first or the second or the third floor. <laughs> but you guys, it, he... we are in a ghost room. Why is no one else more comfortable? <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like Veronica is sitting there, like sweating through her shirt, yeah. being like, "This is not right." Like, <laughs> yeah, she's making a I'm drink. Like, Dolly right. is talking art. Veronica is like, green veterans. wrong is yeah, happening here." <laughs> I'm going to ask Thomas in like an offhand sort of way. Like, if you hadn't been with us, would we have been able to access this room? Yeah, why wouldn't you? You could walk through the door just like I did. I just didn't notice the elevator, that's all. 
Um, so I think I'm gonna, I'm, Veronica's gonna wait for, like, just a slight, like, natural pause in the conversation and, and, uh, kind of flip over, flip open her notebook and sort of, like, nudge Dahlia in a subtle way and, and, like, tap her finger on the descriptions that she wrote of the paintings and, and just kind of, like, do, like, a very short whisper, like, I, like, you know, um, I found these in, found these in the basement. I, I think that they're, they're his works. Um, you know, I know he's saying he hasn't done anything recently, but this might be his. If you wanna, you know, press him on those questions. So I'm gonna give her just the descriptions of the paintings in case Dahlia wants to say anything about them. And I'm gonna like choke on my drink when I see the description of the clown <laughs> and like quickly try to cover it up, but like. I'm rattled when I see the description of the small clown. Shook from the baby clown. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think I think in your mind you're like you're probably just hoping that if you ever see this painting, it's not what you think it is, right? Like you know, like yeah. you're you're making a, a kind of a, a jump in your head that like oh this thing that she wrote down is sounds a lot like the, the thing that I saw in the park, but I think like in the back of your mind you're like please don't let it look like that, like. Please don't let it look exactly like what I saw in the in the in the park earlier today. Yeah. Oh God, that was all still today. What? You're right. Yeah, what a what a day. What a day. <laughs> day we're having. That was like so. It's it's like it's probably wow. nine o'clock. So that was like four hours ago. That's crazy. Oh my God. Wow. Folks, folks you're hearing work. it real time. <laughs> this is episode four, right? They literally yeah. are experiencing this. It's like twenty-four. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Chip, as you you walk into the humidor, and there are just uh, shelves upon shelves of cigars in this place. It's like a walk-in humidor. I think that I will do a a uh, search if I can here or something, uh, just to see if anything you know standard kind of once over. How familiar do you think Chip is with cigars? My guess is. Uh, in you know John Jay University, uh, intelligence community, you know had American government mid '90s, so like Joe Camel's still on TV, like probably, well actually he might be gone by then, but probably he <laughs> knows a lot of. He probably has at least, if he doesn't love them, he smokes them in in social settings, so he's familiar with them. Yeah, so you're starting to look through the cigars, and the kind of overriding thing that you notice is that they are really nice. Like very expensive, nice cigars. So I think I will uh, kind of pick one up, one of the nicer ones. Just you know, put it in my pocket. I'm gonna, I'll buy it, whatever. I'll look, uh, and then just kind of give it once over, see if there's any other anywhere to go within this room, or is it just one way in, one way out? Yeah, just the the same way in, same way out. And this was really only there was this door, right? There was there was a door, the door that you came that you all came in to the room. And then there was one other door that seems like it leads out of the smoking lounge, kind of to the rest of the floor. Uh, but yeah, no, no, nothing. You don't notice anything else in the humidor. Uh, so probably come out, pay for the cigar, uh, and then just uh, walk, go check that door. Probably just go the door that looks to lead to the rest of the floor. Just kind of open it up, see what's out there. You're gonna pay these ghosts for this cigar. You're gonna <laughs> put it in your pocket. Well, also, I mean, I'm gonna be busted for shoplifting. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll defrock me. That's what we call it down at the bureau office. You know, we're not priests. I mean, the code is the frock, I guess, in the scenario. But I don't want, either way, I don't want to lose my job. They'll defrock me, FBI term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's what the boys down at the <laughs> down at Langley are saying. No, Langley's CIA, right? Yeah, Langley's CIA. Quantico. The farm? Oh, that's the CIA. Too. Quantico. No, the farm. The there farm is the farm is also the FBI, CIA. right? That's yeah. The no. farm is the FBI. Quantico and Langley are the CIA, I believe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think, Quant- I think Quantico is the farm. Yeah. I think Quantico. I think you're is right. The- I think you're actually right. I think oh. you're right. Based on my oh, based on so I based on the amount that I watched of Quantico. Here is. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of Quantico when it was the first couple of seasons, and I think they started as FBI agents at Quantico. Crazy word. <laughs> sure thing. I, I believe you. We're all like, okay, what was Clarice in? Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, what is my connection to law enforcement? Yeah. I was saying Veronica's like freaking out, and Dahlia's like, oh, this place is cool. Like, yeah, it's just, I like the vibe. Hang. Yeah. yeah. Cool like vibes, she, cool she vibes. had some like weird secret society situation, and you know, an undergrad at Yale. Like she's, she's here for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You've seen everything <laughs> yeah, I mean, by your sophomore year. If you're rich and at Yale, you're fine. <laughs> I'm about it. So, Dahlia, what's your reaction other than um, being very unsettled to the descriptions of the paintings that Veronica shows you? Do you bring that up at all? Do you just kind of keep the conversation casual with Mark and Thomas? Yeah, since I've already tried to talk with him about his art and he's not been very forthcoming, I don't think I would push it right now. But um, she definitely like wants to see them and compare it to what she knows of his older work. Gotcha. Okay, so Chip, as you kind of look out the door that seems that you think leads to the rest of the floor, you see that there's like a pretty long hallway, uh, definitely longer hallway than any of the ones that you saw downstairs. You know, this floor seems much bigger than the floors downstairs. The decor is, I mean, old-timey is uh, is an easy way to describe it. You know, looks like it's from the 1920s. Again, kind of many of the things that you saw downstairs really highlighted, like the the carpet is burgundy, but it's it's bright, and there's, like, lots of gold fringes on everything. Looks very nice, very well taken care of, and very ornate. Okay. I think I'm gonna we'll take a stroll down that hallway. I want to see what's uh, get down to the elevator so I can be flooded by blood or whatever. Find the twins from the uh, <laughs> Dahlia, Veronica. You probably see Chip kind of look da- out of this door and then start walking down the hallway. Do you uh, do you stay where you are? Stay in your conversation? I'd like to go. Same. So you two are gonna get up and get up and follow yeah. follow Chip. <laughs> And I'm going to see if Thomas will come with us. Be like, oh, Thomas, will you show us around? Like, I don't really want to explore new territory without him around. Uh, when you two stand up, Mark goes, hey, dolls, where are you going? You you done with the conversation already? No, just curious to see what else this building has in store. I might just want to move in. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it takes a little while. You got to, it's a lot to lot to figure out before you're able to just move in. You might want to, may want to talk to the night manager. Just teasing, just teasing, Mark. Of course, I would talk to the night manager. All right. Well, if you uh, if you come back by, uh, grab another drink with me. Thomas seems a little hesitant to come with you. He's like, I, I'd, I'd rather just stay here if you if it's all the same to you. Maybe ask him like, is there something I should be aware of before we go? And not that I know of. It's it's just just the fourth floor. And can I? I'm like using my human to like see if he is lying. Doesn't seem like it. Can I just be blunt then? Like, why then? Why aren't you going? Why don't you want to go? I mean, I've seen it before. I'd rather stay here and talk to Mark uh, and have a drink. 
It's been a, it's been a long night. If you remember, your uh, your friend over there handcuffed me. So just wanna... Mark sucks, dude. <laughs> Don't I, I sure do remember. I also I remember Mark. being the one who got him to kind of back down. So just a little curious as to why you're not willing to show us around. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you need me for. Well, you, he wants to sit there and listen to Mark talk about like this is the rules before you move in. You gotta talk like shut up, Nark. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Lindsay? I was gonna say like, do we feel like it's pivotal to keep him with us? Like, I am a little no. worried about. Maybe we don't need to, but I could always try and use my persuade to get him to come with us. Um, I mean, you by just... reminding him that this is like an open investigation. Like, I know that Dahlia is taking kind of like the good cop side, but we did find out that he had miked and bugged the apartment of a missing girl. So, and like he knows her, so if we if she's up there, it might be helpful to like have him mm-hmm. around. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's worth trying to persuade him to go with us. Can I, can I try that, Eric? You can. Before you do, Chip, do you stop when you hear them trying to convince Thomas to come with them, or do you keep going? Onward and upward. I tr- they, they've got this under control. All right, and 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 you're trying you're trying to head to the elevator. You said. I'm just kind of. I think I'm just kind of strolling down. I'm not necessarily trying to get ahead of them. I don't want to be on a different floor. But I'm <laughs> I'm just kind of taking my time looking down the. You know, see if there's any doors, any apartments, anything looks weird. Just kind of the standard once over. Sure. Um, roll me a sanity check, please. Sanity check. That's pretty safe. All right. <laughs> uh, it's Hotel California. Oh, yeah. <laughs> never leave. They're going to tell me, sorry, you can check out any time you like, but. You can never leave. Sour news. Uh, 72. Uh, sanity at 52. Ooh, baby. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, God. <laughs> so, Chip, uh, you lose your choice of either one sanity or one willpower point. I'd like to see Chip minus insanity. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to go down a sanity point as opposed to willpower point here. Sounds good. So, you're kind of walking down the hallway looking ahead of you. And kind of, you know, you like you look off to the left side and then as you look back right and kind of further down the hallway, you see an obese man at a distant doorway. And as soon as you see him, you see that he looks at you and notices you and starts like looks like he's like hurriedly trying to he like pulls out a set of keys and looks like he's hurriedly trying to like unlock the door that he's in front of. I think I would uh, call out to him. Uh, sir, excuse me, sir. No hurry, no rush, sir. Dahlia and Veronica, you hear Chip shouting. And I'm kind of, I'm picking up speed. I'm jogging towards him. Okay. What do you two do? Like roll my eyes and walk that direction. Okay. What about you? Uh, so you leave, you leave Thomas? Oh, oh gosh. Never mind. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm fo- more focused on getting Thomas to come with us. I forgot we were still doing that. Yeah, they've heard me yell at people before. Sure, sure. Yeah. I still, nice I still yeah. roll my eyes, Several but I don't times go over today. Yeah. He's got a new yeah. friend. Yeah. So, Veronica, um, do you want to? Uh, sorry, would you? Would you kind of stay in the conversation with Thomas? Um, I think I'm going to do kind of like a last ditch persuade. Um, to see if he'll join us. Yeah, roll me your persuade check, please. Okay, so my persuade. Um, it's the D100, right? Yes, D100 shooting okay. for at or below your persuade score. Okay, so I got... Oh, no. 
I got a hundred. <laughs> I got a hundred over so eighty. You, you know, he, does, he doesn't even like you anymore. Yeah, He's just like, yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. Well, you know. No, so he, so, so you start talking to him, and he's like, "I'm just, I'm really frustrated with this situation. Like, I'm just gonna go." And he starts walking toward the door, back down, like toward the, like toward the floor below. What did she say to him? (laughs) Yeah, what do you think? What did you say to him that was so offensive that he was like, "He's, he's, he's done." I think that. You know, maybe it's just she just let it slip. She's like, "All right, you you weirdo, you huge weirdo." <laughs> <laughs> Why does this room have no windows? Like, yeah. get your ass over here! Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think maybe you know. It was There's a bit so of a many slip. potential unassociated God. perverts here. Like, yeah. we gotta get, exactly. Gotta clean yeah. this place up. All right, so now we have a decision for both Veronica and Dahlia. Thomas is clearly moving toward the door to go back downstairs. You heard Chip shouting. You heard Chip shouting at someone out in the hallway. What do you do, each of you? I am going to... I'm going to run to the door to check on Chip. Okay. And what about you, Dahlia? I think I'm going to do a last-ditch persuade Ben. All right. What do you say to him? Say, like, look, I know that you were close with Abigail. We really would like to find out more information about her. It would be a huge help if you came with us. All right, go ahead and roll Persuade yourself. I know she was important to you. My Persuade is 70. I got... Oh, I got a 70. All right, 70 mean? at 70. I Because of because of the critical failure from Veronica, I needed a critical success on this oh. one. So so that's going to be a fail. And so he, he like looks over your shoulder and makes eye contact with you one more time as you say, I know she was important to you. And then he slams the door behind him. And you hear oh like footsteps walking down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you go after him or do you follow Veronica out into the hallway? I feel like once he's not here, we can never open this door again. Um, I'm going to go with Veronica. Okay. So cutting back to Chip. So Chip, you kind of, you're, you said you're starting to pick up speed. You're kind of closing the distance between this this obese man and you. And you can see that he's still kind of like fumbling for his keys as you get closer, you see that he's very sweaty. He looks very nervous. And like the look on your on his face, you know, with your kind of keen understanding of people and their body language, mm-hmm. it looks like he, like he thinks he did something wrong and is trying to get away from you. Mm-hmm. And he gets the door open before you're able to close the gap and he pulls it shut behind him. What do you do? Are you wearing your frock? No, I just wear my nice, uh, my nice shirt and tie. My body, man, outfit, <laughs> my disguise. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna knock on the door and, and just say, uh, "Excuse me, sir." You don't hear anything behind it. Kick the door. <laughs> no, don't kick the door. No, I was gonna say two for two. <laughs> I can't kick this door. We're, just, we're not, we're not in a. This isn't a kick door environment. This might just be. Just a fat guy who didn't want to talk to me. Like, like I don't know. <laughs> FBI does not apply on the fifth floor. Yeah, it no, does I'm, not I'm, exist. Remember, remember, guys, here I'm, I'm what was it? Uh, Bob October or Rob October? Robert, Robert October. Robert, Robert, Robert October. October. Yeah, so I'm, I'm incognito. Pepperoni um, came into my mind, which is funny. <laughs> the guy immediately was like, Pepperoni. yeah, that sounds fake, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mark, trust me, Mark Rourke knows a fake name when he hears one because he's used many in his life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Crocodile Mark Dundee. <laughs> uh, I, so I, I guess uh, 
he he doesn't he doesn't do anything. I mean, you don't you don't hear any movement behind the door or anything like that. I think I would would I notice that these two are now in the uh, hallway. You would not notice that, no. And so I, I look at the door and like I I make a note of what apartment it is and everything and and just like it's just it was really weird. Like was he was did he look like did he just look like a like a like an obese man or was he like you know when it's like this this he's weird. What's with this guy? He definitely looked guilty and nervous and sweaty. Yeah. Also, when you look at the door, there's no there's no apartment number on the door. It's a completely blank door. That's weird. How many other doors are there? You kind of look up and down the hallway? Yeah. The hallway now seems to extend really far in both directions. And there are doors it's on both ending. sides. No. And yeah, Chip, uh, of course, it's is... Uh, Hotel California. Like, well, all right, then. Like, now it's kind of, oh, boy, here we go. It's Delta Green time. So I think I would just go... <laughs> I think Ooh, I'd turn, turn around and go to the guy, whoever's directly across... I would knock on that door. Okay, so you turn around and and go to knock on another door. Meanwhile, Dahlia and Veronica, you walk out of the smoking lounge and look down the hallway, and you don't see Chip. No. I'm going to nudge Veronica and be like, draw one of your maps, girlfriends. Like, take your notes down. That's a good idea. Start taking this thing down. Right I, I saw it when you showed me the paintings. I saw your like four doors, five doors thing. So I'm like, mm-hmm. get this down. Start counting doors, which Chip, of course, did. She's gonna pull out her notebook and start sketching. So what can what can we see, Eric? Like what can Dahlia and Veronica? Yeah, see? how many doors do they see? Yeah, yeah. So so it's a it's a normal looking hallway, similar to you wouldn't know this, but similar to what Chip saw, in that it seems you know it's it's old timey, you know, early 1900s. Burgundy carpet, kind of gold tassels. You know, yeah, gold tassels and 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 very well maintained. Okay. And how many like doors do you think that we can see? Yeah, I mean the hallway goes down down a ways. It looks more kind of like a a hotel room at or a hotel than a than a uh-huh. apartment building at this point. Like it's it's a ways down, and there's doors on either side, kind of every once in a while. Okay. Um, Veronica, I think is gonna. Like, call out to Chip. Ron? Ron? That was his name, right? Ron, Ron October? Robert, Robert October. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Robert Mr. October. October? Mr. October? <laughs> Mr. October? Reggie Jackson. Chip, you do not hear this. And Veronica not. and Dahlia, you don't, you don't hear any response or see Chip. Okay. Well, now we've lost our low intelligence uh, <laughs> leader <laughs> golden <Tank>. retriever <laughs> FBI yeah, you lost your oh, door break man. yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay I think I, I think Veronica's gonna turn to Dahlia and just kinda like motion down the hallway for us to maybe just start walking yeah just to see what we can see are there stairs like do we see the stairs to the sixth floor or no uh, I mean, you don't know where you don't know where stairs would lead, but you do look up ahead and see a set of stairs. Yes, like off to off to the you know off to one of the sides. It looks like there's a way to go up if you wanted to. Okay, and looking back, does it say like smoking room or anything on the door that we came out of? It's that's more just like a, almost like a an opening. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I don't uh, there's not actually okay. a door there. It's more just like a an archway. Uh, but I mean, okay. you look back and you see the smoking lounge. Okay, but it doesn't look like identical to all the other doors or something like that. No, no, no. Okay. And Mark's Mark's still sitting there. He's just 
you know. Okay. He he he's like he's pulled a book off the off the shelf and is kind of leafing through it. Okay. It's a Garfield comic book. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, I will follow where you lead, Veronica. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Veronica, go ahead and give me a sanity check, please. Oh no. Okay. Um. Let's see. So my sanity. Right now it is seventy, and my roll is twenty-two. Nice, nice. Okay, so that's I'm a like success. A rock. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> because I'm having appropriate reactions to things, you guys. Yeah, okay? you're, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's why. That makes, it all adds up. <laughs> yeah. Eric could present this without any of our commentary. We're just we're we're telling a compelling story here, folks. <laughs> the characters' motivations line up. So you start walking down the hallway and you do pass looks like a set of stairs or a, you know like a little entryway that would lead to a stairwell. You pass an elevator and actually the end of the hallway comes up on you faster than you would have expected. Um it the, the hallway seemed a lot longer than it than now it does. And there's uh-huh. a door at the end of the hallway and there's a plaque on the door that says uh night manager. Mr. Castain? Castain. Castain. Was the person that that Thomas referred to as the night manager. And didn't Mark say you have to talk to the night manager too? The rule hound that he is? He did mention the night manager, yes. The rule hound that he is. Okay. um, We should talk to him. So I think Veronica is going to turn to Dahlia and say, all right, well, I think here's where we're at. We've lost Chip. No idea where he is. We could go up the stairs, we could take the elevator, or we could try and see if we talk to this Mr. Castain. What do you think? I think we should talk to Mr. Castain and pretend that we are friends of Abigail's, who just haven't heard from her in a while and, like, want to talk to her about some art opportunities. But we don't mention an investigation. Great. Um, Because to all of these people on this floor, she's alive, right? Just so I... Like that's for me, not for the carrot. Like Yeah, yeah. Every everyone uh-huh. everyone so far has said, like, yeah, she's up on six. That's okay. where she lives. Right. Yeah. The only people who think that she's dead are us. Or missing, missing. Are everyone in the real world, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And initially this guy. Yeah. Initially Thomas was saying she was gone. Yes. When so, Chip talked okay. to Thomas the first time, uh-huh. he totally understood what you meant by the fact that she had disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And then after a certain hour. <laughs> no. The Witcher. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know. It was that baby clown. We looked at him. Once the sun was down. An evil twin situation. You know, there's a lot of options here. That's true. Um, so I mean, Dahlia, do you wanna do the talking? Sure. For Mr. Cat if you're gonna if we're gonna go like the art friends angle. Yep. Yeah, we we haven't seen her in a while. We're concerned we miss her. Right. We were told okay. we were told you might have some information. Yeah, Love let's, it. Let's knock. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's see what ungodly horror is behind the door <laughs> of the night manager. <laughs> like a vampire. I don't know. We are, of course, going to pause you where you are and move back to Chip at that uh, moment. Of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Chip, you, you walk directly across the hall to another unmarked door. You try to open up the door? Yeah. I t- first, I check to see if it's unlocked. It is unlocked, yes. Then I'm going to open it and do like the simultaneous knock and just be like personal security. So you, you open up the door and a scent hits you as soon as you walk through 
of like rotten garbage. Mm-mm. And the room, it looks like maybe at one point it was very nicely appointed, but the walls are waterlogged. There's garbage scattered all around the floor. You know, food stuffs that have that has rotted. Just a like looks like a, a, a totally abandoned room and one that just like has has been totally just like destroyed. Yeah, I I think Chip would kind of react like like that's disgusting and I think in that moment now that okay now I've opened this door this has happened he's annoyed that he is forced to smell it so now he's turning back to the the heavy man's door and uh, now this is a place for the FBI it wasn't a moment ago and now the now it's FBI time so he's going to try to kick that guy's door down while simultaneously announcing himself as an FBI agent tips back all right roll me Roll me a dex times five check, please. Dex times five. Ooh, that's less good. That college athlete in you? Fuck. 65 over 50. Damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Break your (laughs) foot. No, you like, you, just like you did with Thomas's door, you like plant one foot and you like slam your foot, your other foot right into the spot that is necessary. But the difference between this time and when you kick Thomas's door in is this door was not locked. And so you go a little bit too hard and you, you knock the door open and you almost, you, you're like starting to lose your balance kind of falling into the room and behind the doorway is not an obese man, nor is it this gross room that you found across the hall. It is instead a dark and seemingly bottomless elevator shaft. <gasps> and you start to fall forward toward oh, the elevator shaft. So I need you to roll me another dex times five check, please. Oh my Chip. God. Here we go, folks. <laughs> oh my God. This could be the end of Chip Lynch. No. Chip, did, Chip died as he lived. Cut Chip down in his prime. Oh, no one's on the floor. <laughs> Oh my gosh. 30. Seven under 50. A seven under 50? 37 under 50. 37 under 50. And so just as you're about to fall forward, you stick your arms out and you catch yourself (laughs) on the walls of the hallway. I do need you to roll me a sanity check for how close you just came to falling down this elevator shaft. This is just the most, like, unfortunate death. Uh, I took the one off from before, right? On my sheet, I was supposed to... Well, yeah, I you, said yeah, I'd lose one? Okay. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, you do lose that. So now your sanity is one lower to be rolling under. Uh, four double zero. So that's a four under. So you lose no sanity from that. But you, I need you to roll me one more sanity check for the fact that you were fully expecting this to be a room with a man who you saw yeah. run in here. And instead, it was not that. 68 over 50. That's the problem. Oh. I, missed right, that, so... I missed that big boy. Where'd he go? <laughs> <laughs> So you lose uh, you lose four points of sanity Oof. for this realization. Now, if you if you'd like to, you can deflect that sanity loss onto a bond, uh, which means oh, that you harm your relationship with the bond and you lose some willpower, but you don't lose the sanity. Or you can just take the four. I think he's the kind of guy who takes the four. <laughs> I think he probably is the kind of guy who takes the four. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just that's he's a man of, of honor and dignity. Aww. And because of Chip's past. <laughs> Because of Chip's pass, I need you to roll me one more sanity check in this moment, please. And I, you said I lost four, right? Wait, mm-hmm. what about his pass? I can't tell you that. That's for oh. the that's for the pre-episode Eric narrations where he's gonna sing. Oh, yeah. uh, Thirty-five under forty-seven. Ooh. Okay, 
so there's no effect from that. And so you've just caught yourself on this elevator, uh, this entrance to this empty elevator shaft and gotten your balance and kind of pushed yourself back toward the hallway. What would you like to do from there? Like the first thing he would do is go, fuck, and then (laughs) straighten himself up. And then just, just like kind of a couple more. I won't do them. Yeah, it's a family podcast. I'll, I won't do them, but no, <laughs> folks. For the folks at home, he's saying it a couple more times. And he's he's mad that he almost fell, so he's like frustrated. He's frustrated about the the garbage room. So now he's he's going to start like kind of angrily opening the doors around him. Like he's not really thinking fully clearly, but he's going to just he's not going to kick them or lean into them. He's just going to start checking if they're locked, and if they're unlocked, he's opening them. All right, so you start opening rooms. You find a few more that are similar to the one that you, the one with all the garbage and the waterlogged mm-hmm. walls. You open a couple, and they just look like kind of like hotel rooms, exactly like you would expect a hotel room would look in a building, li- or like leading from this hallway, right? Like similar decor to the hallway. A few of them are locked, and do you do you try to force your way through any of those, or? Do you leave the locked ones alone? Um, I think I'm going to leave the locked ones alone initially, unless it looks like one of is of particular import. I think I'll leave them alone for right now, but I'm I'm going back for them. Got it. Okay. And then you open up another door, and you come out on a site that you absolutely did not expect to see. You open the door, and you find yourself on a balcony. And you are looking out over a huge ballroom. And the first thing that you see, it seems like there are people dancing in the ballroom. And you can hear music playing, but you look a little bit more closely, and they're not people. They're all marionettes. And that is where we are going to end our story for now. (laughs) Oh, God. I'm coming up with I, new I fears wish, as we get the I kind of wish I had just gone down the sh- elevator shaft. Like, I kind of oh wish I just... I could have thought of a new character who was like, he doesn't care if he sees Mary, a ghost party of Marion. But nope. Now I gotta deal with it. This podcast was published by arrangement with the Delta Green Partnership. The intellectual property known as Delta Green is a trademark and copyright owned by the Delta Green Partnership, who has licensed its use here. The Impossible Landscapes campaign is copyright Dennis Detwiller, and the contents of this podcast are copyright Nature of My Game podcast, accepting those elements that are components of the Delta Green intellectual property. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the Nature of My Game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at NOMGPodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit patreon.com slash NOMGPodcast. 